1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 27. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit, of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Grass withers, flower fades, word of our God stands forever. Series Missio Day this morning, this is where we're getting towards the tail end of this, uh, discussing what is God's mission in the world. And I want to start with this question, 
Who here in this room this morning, who here is important to the work of Christ in the world? Who here is important to God's mission? Who in this room is important to God's mission in the world? Who matters here? Who's important? Laura, thank you. The obvious answer, but do we believe it? Laura says, everyone, Darren. (laughs) That's right. I like it. Everyone is. Everyone. Many people, though, however, practically, we often fall into some sort of thinking that there are certain people who are more inclined to ministry. They're the ones that God really moves through. Many people would point to their pastor and say, that's the guy who does ministry around here. He's, in fact, we have a term for pastors. They call them, they are the minister, right? We have a minister. They're the person who does ministry. But is that the end of the discussion? Laura says, no, I agree with Laura. No, that is not the end of the discussion. Who is important to the work of God in the world? Is it just the professionals? Are only those who are the professionals in ministry are the ones who are important? No. That's what we're talking about this morning. We've been working our way through this series, Missio Dei, His Purpose, Mean God's, God's Purpose and Plan and Our Place in It. And we've said that God's plan is to secure for Himself a people who will glorify and enjoy Him and then multiply those who will glorify and enjoy Him. God's plan has been to secure for Himself a people who are joy and glory multipliers, finding their joy in Him, glorifying Him because of the joy they find in Him, and then going out and reproducing that joy in Christ, that glorifying of God through Christ. That is His plan for us to be joy and glory multipliers. And it's been His plan all along. We started looking, Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply. God's plan was for Adam and Eve to enjoy Him and to glorify Him and then to multiply joy and glory multipliers. And this is to continue on down the line. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, uh, the prophets are pointing to this. The, the kings and the judges are to be trying to gather this people and secure them to God that this, this, these people who are going to glorify Him and enjoy Him. And then we talk about the centerpiece of that reality is Jesus Christ. The, the way that is finally culminated, the securing of those people, comes about through the work of Christ. He is the centerpiece of history. Jesus Christ, born for the Virgin Mary, without sin, does not sin, lives the righteous life, the requirement of God that is put out for all of us to do, to live righteously, which none of us do. We all fallen short, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, are under God's judgment, but Christ enters the world, lives righteously, and for his reward, what does he do? He takes the punishment of death upon a cross. He suffers as a perfect sacrifice in the place of sinners so that everyone looking to Christ, trusting in Him, returning from their sin, looking to Christ alone, is then secured to God that they would glorify Him because they didn't do this reconciling work. 
God did it through Christ and enjoying him because this work reconciled them back to their God. God secures for himself a people who will glorify him and enjoy him. And the centerpiece of that is Jesus Christ. Through his righteous life and sacrificial death in the place of sinners, God reconciles his people to himself. From there, that's, that, that centerpiece, we cannot lose it. We said that if, if a church loses that centerpiece, it is no longer even a church. Christ is the centerpiece of all of this reality of history. From there, we move, though, into a more practical reality of how then God does plan to work this purpose. So this is what he was doing, securing for himself a people that are going to glorify him and enjoy him. And we know it's going to happen through Christ, but for, what is that plan? And how does that, if it happened at, at the cross, well then, why isn't this just all done, right? If that was his purpose, was Christ, why isn't this just all finished, right? Because Christ has gone to the cross. The suffering has happened. The sacrifice has happened. Why isn't it then just all done? Well, what we, last week, the answer to that was, what is the mechanism then that God spreads that? It is for the multiplication of that joy in Christ. There is a multiplication that must happen. What is the avenue by which people hear this good news? And the answer to that question was, the way that is spread is through all of God's people. All of God's people. Not select people. Not special people, not upper class people as though they exist. They don't exist in the body of Christ. We all have our function and role, but it doesn't make first and second class citizens, first and second class ministers. We are the people of God. That's why we looked at 1 Corinthians. None of us gets to say, oh, I'm the ear, therefore I'm more valuable than you, the big toe. No one gets to say that. We're all part of this body. Last week, our, our main point was this. What God is doing for his people, to secure them to himself, what God is doing for his people, he is doing through all of his people. comes from this conviction uh, my friend, the pastor Jim Murphy, who was here a few weeks ago, says it this way. says, whatever God is doing in the world, he is doing through all of his people. Whatever God is doing in the world, he is doing through all of his people. This is the, the importance of the local church, the importance of Christians living in the world as uh, representatives, ambassadors of Christ. Whatever God is doing in the world, he is doing through all of his people. But it isn't just something I put on the board or some claim that, that Jim makes or anything like that. It's, it's a reality that we see in Scripture. The book of 1 Corinthians is a crazy book. Like, we read through it. Didn't we, we read through 1 Corinthians together. I don't think we read 2 Corinthians together yet. But we read 1 Corinthians, and there's some wild stuff in there. And this, that church was a mess there's all kinds of sexual immorality going on in there. This congregation, it just has in their lawsuits going on among them. Some people are getting drunk at the meals together. There's just rampant, there's drunkenness going on. There's disorder. There's just all kinds of wildness going on. And the Corinthian church is just a messed up people. And if anyone thinks church is supposed to be this all buttoned up, we've all got it perfect, we're, we're nailing it, they haven't read 1 Corinthians. 
where we see the reality. This church is a, is a messed up place. Now, that isn't to say, oh, good, let's all get as messed up as we can get and then gather together and call ourselves a church. That's not the point. The point is that the reality that we are all messed up ought not to be discouraging that God can still move in and speak to and encourage us as a church, even as messed up as we are. In the midst of all of this mess, it is, it's in the midst of all of that mess that this ministry of the people of God is reinforced. I mean, you might think, no, Corinthian church, don't tell anyone about Jesus. You get, get yourself figured out first <laughs> and then get, get, become a good church. And then maybe once you get graduated to, you know, fourth grade Christianity, then maybe you'll be good enough to share the good news about what Christ has done for you. That is not where Paul goes. In, in, in chapter 12, verse 7, I try to emphasize it as we were reading he says, of the body of Christ, of those who are secured, of those who are in the family, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There are no wasted members in the kingdom of God. There are no wasted citizens in the kingdom of God. Each has their place. Each has their purpose in the plan of God. Paul makes this point with one of the most memorable illustrations in the New Testament. I mean, I don't, if you've been around the church, the Bible at all, I'm sure you were aware and knew of the illustration of the church as, the bot, as a body. It wasn't the first time you've probably heard the ridiculous statement of the ear saying to the, the ear, I saying to the ear, I have no need of you, or saying to the nose, I have no, it's just, it's talked about all through Sunday schools and churches all of our life. It's a great illustration. Every part has its place. Every part has, it function, has its function. Therefore, every part is necessary. Paul uses this illustration not to talk about biology. He's not trying to become a doctor and say, see, yeah, you need all your parts. He uses this illustration to make a point. And the point is that every member has a purpose and a point to fulfill for the good of the church, for the good of the people of God. Whatever God is doing in the world, he is doing through all of his people. In the same way that the body needs every part, everywhere, working every day, the church's mission goes forward as everyone, everywhere, every day, is walking in the specific ministry moment God has for them. Everyone, everywhere they go, every day that they go. Not just Sunday mornings. We all show up, which is great. I'm not knocking Sunday mornings where we show up and gather for corporate worship. This is not the only moment of ministry. It is everyone. It isn't just me. It's everyone. Everyone, everywhere, as they go out into the world, every day, operating, using our gifts for the multiplication of those who glorify God and enjoy Him. Maybe you're still not convinced, okay? So let's keep your finger in 1 Corinthians. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll come back to uh, first. Oops, wrong way. We'll go back to 1 Corinthians here in a second. But Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. This is Paul's argument to the church at Ephesus. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, Paul does refer to sort of, you could call, professional, I mean, titles. There's certain leaders that he talks about. The five-fold ministry, it's sometimes called, of the apostles. Right there in verse 11, we've got the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or pastors, and teachers. We've got these official roles, but what, what, is, the, what is that leadership to be doing? We've got these five offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And what are they to do? They are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The, the role of the leadership in the church is not just to do the ministry, but it is to equip the saints. And that isn't in this term of super Christian saints. Saints is the vernacular in the Bible of everyone who is saved, who is sanctified, who is made righteous through Jesus Christ. If you are here and you're a believer in Christ, you're one of the saints. You're a saint. And the job of the professionals, quote unquote, is not to do the ministry, but is to equip the saints for the ministry. Sometimes in our modern world, we talk about pastors or other leaders, and we're referring to them as ministers, as though they are the ones who do the ministry. But that's not Paul's understanding. It is everyone in the body of Christ, secured to God, are to be joy and glory multipliers. Everyone, everywhere that they go, every day. How does the mission of multiplication of believers go forward? Through all of God's people. Everywhere they go, every time that they go there, through all of us together. Practically, this means that the person who is supposed to minister in this community is every person that God has saved and brought to himself. There are hundreds of relationships that happen from, in, in the people in this congregation that I have no even clue of or no chance of having those kinds of relationships. Hundreds of them that are unique and meaningful in a way that, that, that I could never, that the elder board, that any of the leadership could have the same impact that you could in the relationships that you have. For instance, those of the relationships with your spouse. You, believe it or not, have an opportunity with your spouse that I shouldn't have and that I don't have. You have a connection there with them that is far more profound and meaningful than anyone that I could ever generate for them. And could it be that if your spouse needs ministered to, God has providentially put you there to do that ministry? And that, yes, my job is hopefully to equip and to talk about how we go forward increasing glorifiers and, 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 and those who enjoy him, but 
You are the one who is in the position, everyone, everyone. How is God going to work through all of his people? If your spouse needs ministered to, guess who is the one who's in the best position? You are. If your children, think about maybe your grown parents, maybe your grown children, who is going to have the best connection to them? I mean, I can send them a card, and I, probably, I might maybe have. If you, you know, I send them a card, talk to them. But you're going to be the one that's going to have the, the, one of the ways. Not, I'm not pigeonholing the way God can move, but honestly, God, what he's doing in the world, he's doing through all of his people. The person who's going to have the most connection with those individuals you, you're the one that's in their life. You're the one that can speak to them. Could it be that God has arranged those connections in such a way that you would be the instrument through which he would be calling to those around you to himself? Could it be that God is working through you? What about your old classmates? I mean, I look around this town, I got old classmates. I mean, please hear, I don't... This is, this is about the, the every member doing their part. So this is not just Darren pointing fingers. This is all of us. Think about those that you have history with. Could it be that the reason why you have that shared history, those shared experiences with, is because you are the one that God wants to draw that person to himself through? That everyone ministering, everyone on mission, everyone everywhere, every day. Not just by blackmailing your, your classmate to come to church and hopefully Darren will say something to them. No, you, everywhere, as you see them out and about, you are the ones, we are all the ones that God is moving through. God is doing what he's doing for his people. He is doing through all of his people. Fellow parents, as you go around in summer, or fall's coming up and, and you're going, we're going to events at the school and various things. What about all those parents that we see around, those, those families that we see around at all these different events? Could it be those friendships, those connections are because the way God moves and what he does is through all of his people? What about within this church? Some people don't like the way this is arranged because you all have to look at each other. <laughs> and you can, like, I can't, I'm supposed to watch Darren, but I can see everybody else. And I can, I can see who's falling asleep. Like if you sit like all straightforward, only I can tell who's asleep. But when you sit like this, you can see each other who falls asleep. But, you know, the, 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 it's designed intentionally uh, of the church is a community together. Is it just me that's supposed to be reaching out to everyone? I am. But I am so because I am a member of this body. You look around. Who in this congregation might need your encouragement? Who of the, of the young couples, can I be honest? I mean, I, you know, I guess we're 40 now, so we're, we're not a young couple anymore. I, but, you know, that, that wouldn't hurt to have encouragement. You know, and so those of you who, I, I, don't, I don't want to, to pick on my, um, my beloved uh, older saints in the congregation, we need you. We need you to be operating in the role that God has for you, to be reaching out to us younger people, to be, hey, can I have your phone number? I want to call you later and pray with you, given two minutes of your time. How, or maybe just ask the question, how can I pray for you this week? How are things going? God, what God is doing, he's doing through all of his people. That means each one of you, 
from, I said when we started, from nine to 109. Every one of you, God wants to work through for to accomplish his mission. So, you know, there's that much practical ministry going on. Think about, and this is what I'd call public ministry, and, and everyone everywhere all the time is more personal ministry. Think of how much time is given to public ministry. How much energy do we invest into Sunday school lessons? How much energy do we invest into the Wednesday night kids club? How much energy do I invest in this moment of public ministry? Giving hours of thinking about what I want to say and contemplating it and taking it seriously. Well, if, if we do far more personal ministry than we do public ministry, shouldn't we be giving a lot of time thinking about how we go about personal ministry? How much time do we spend thinking about the conversations we're going to have? How much time do you think about and preparing, preparing for personal ministry? How often, when you go ready to go get your hair cut, do you take 30 seconds to say a prayer for your, your hair, your barber, your stylist, whatever, to say a prayer for yourself that you would have good, God-glorifying, edifying conversations? How often do you, when you're going to walk into the grocery store, take 15 seconds to say, God, if there's a providential encounter here in the grocery store that I'm supposed to have to encourage, lift someone up, to witness, to whatever, God, give me the strength, the wisdom, the courage to do so. And the, the open eyes to see you moving. Is that done? I'm convinced there is not enough of my life thinking about personal ministry opportunities. It's far too easy just to go along with life. So, boy, we, we could end there. And we'd all just go home burdened down with, oh, there's, great. Fine. We show up to church and Darren gave us more burdens, more things to feel bad about ourselves. But if we do that, we'll probably just give ourselves something to feel guilty about later on if we just end there. There's an vitally important part of this ministry for everyone, everywhere, every day. And it's a truth mentioned back in 1 Corinthians 12. I didn't, I told you to keep your finger there, and then I didn't. There's an important part of this we haven't talked about. There's a particular word mentioned here that we kind of just skipped over, and it's this word, spirit. The way this ministry happens through everyone, everywhere, every day, is through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this Missio Dei. It's a Trinitarian mission. It isn't just the Father's mission. It isn't just the Son's mission. It isn't just the Spirit's mission. It's a Trinitarian mission. God the Father from all eternity plans this thing out. Christ volunteers. He comes. He's, he is sent. He's the one who works it out in history. And then the Holy Spirit is sent, the Comforter. Christ ascends and he sends the Comforter to fill the church, to give the church gifts to work, to bring about repentance in the hearts of those who God is calling to himself. The Spirit is at work. This is an important truth for many reasons. But one of the main ones is that when we acknowledge that God does his work through us by giving the Spirit, it reinforces the reality, this isn't riding on me. Okay, so... It, there's a, balance, there's, there's a truth here to, we're, we're talking about God, I, I, I should be, I want to be one of the ones who is everywhere, every day, uh, everyone. I want to be one of the everyones who is doing this work, but this isn't about putting burdens upon ourselves. This is, the, this is recognizing that it is through the Spirit that this does happen. God is the one who accomplishes His purposes. He's just gracious to include us 
into what he is doing. So the pressure is off. This is the grace. This is a grace that God is calling us into. The goal is not for us to seal a deal or to convince someone to come to church or to make sure to get some result. That is not the goal. The goal is not for you to make something happen. The goal is for you to be aware of the gifts that God has given you by His Spirit and to be faithful and obedient with the opportunities that has been given to you. To do your little part in the, whatever God is doing in securing a people to Himself. So what will that look like? It will look like becoming a people of prayer, as I mentioned earlier. Praying for your hairstylist. Praying before you go to the grocery store. Praying before you come to church. God is there... You know, here's a crazy idea. Take five seconds praying right now. Father, if what Darren's saying is something that I should be concerned about, point out someone here in this congregation that I should, I should interact with, I should connect with, I should support, I should intentionally love. Pray. We become people of prayer, dependent upon the Spirit to guide us and to lead us and work in the accomplishing of His mission. It'll look like becoming a people of prayer. It'll look like becoming a, a people who are aware and willing for the Holy Spirit to do His work in preparation. So often, this idea of, of leaning on the Spirit means that, well, I'm just going to march into... I keep going to the hair stylist. I don't know why that's... But, but that's a place we all have to go. We just march in and just, you know, I, I guess I'll rely on the Spirit. Well, what if you let the Holy Spirit work on you before you go? Or maybe after you... Have you ever had this happen? This happens to me all the time. I get done with a conversation with somebody... And a half hour later, I think of five good things I wish I'd said. Like, I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd said that. Oh, that was, this would have been a better answer than the one that I gave. Well, here's, maybe that's the Holy Spirit right then working in you. And maybe you should get out a piece of paper, or I have to because I'm not smart enough to keep that in my head, and put down a note. Hey, this is the person's name. I should ask this. Ask this. Uh, here's a better answer. And then next time... Bring those things. Say, last time when I was here, I said this. But really, I, I think to this question here, maybe it's a better answer. That that could be the Spirit of God moving because this isn't sealing a deal in the moment. This is God's doing a work. Could that be the Holy Spirit working in your life, bringing things up with you? We want to fix everything in one conversation, but maybe in God's wisdom, it's taking a little longer. So we become people of prayer. We become people aware and willing for the Spirit to move in preparation and a people aware and willing for the Holy Spirit to do His work in participation. It is not us making things happen. When you see the person at the store, at the event, go and talk with them. Make the phone calls you need to make. Send the cards you need to send. Cook the meal you need to cook. Invite them over. Offer counsel. Whatever it is the Spirit has gifted you to do, walk in it. Everyone. Everywhere. Every day. What God is accomplishing in the world, He is accomplishing through all of His people. God is the one at work. God is the one who will build His church. And the way He does it is through the multiplication of His people as they seek to glorify Him and enjoy Him, but it is still His work. As we come to communion, maybe we need to repent of our uninvolvement and disinterest in what God wants to work in you and through you. There's forgiveness offered for that today. Maybe you need to repent of looking to yourself and trusting in your own work instead of looking to and relying upon Him. There's forgiveness for that today. Maybe you have minimized the work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. There's forgiveness for that this morning. 
Let's come to the table, trusting in Christ's work for us, and leave this morning renewed and ready to live on mission, empowered by the Spirit for the work that God has for each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. I pray, Father, this would all be fueled not out of some sort of obligation, some sort of burden, but God, out of the joy of knowing this is what you have done for us and the joy of, of a child who's brought along to build a project with their dad and they bring their plastic hammers and they bring their plastic screws and screwdriver and the father says, come along, let's get to work. And the, and, and the building, the, the project is built and the kid is just glad to be on the team with his father. Father, may that be us through the joy and, and what you have given to us in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.